joining me for enough for today. We're in Psalm 51, and we're uh, turning a corner today. The psalm turns a corner. We left off in verse 6. Verses 1 through 7 is David repenting and asking God for cleansing. And we've really unfolded that concept the last few days. And so if you missed it, I hope you'll go back, because it's not just a judicial cleansing on the record of God. It's a cleansing of my 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 practical life um, and 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 not having to live in the shame and guilt of my failures or regrets or those of others that impacted me God can set me free liberate me from those defining influences and suddenly they can become subjugated to the redemptive narrative of God in my life and he's writing a new story um, and those things inform that story but they don't define that story all of a sudden I'm not just a failure or a victim I'm a child of God, and I can go forward. And this is the concept that unfolds in verse 7 when David says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. So there's a judicial, relational aspect in terms of my heart with God. Yeah, my record is clean. My state with God is clean, okay? I'm forgiven thoroughly. God has forgotten my sins. He's never going to hold them against me. but I shall be clean thoroughly. By the way, the purge me with hyssop is a, hyssop is a plant, a little hairy plant that they would use to, to, to wash something. Okay. Kind of, uh, if you think of um, washing, you know, in modern vernacular, maybe we would use a brush. Hyssop was something they used to wash. And it was also used as a symbol of the washing cleansing of God that he would provide through Jesus. So purge is to be thoroughly, you know, inside out, clean and and made new again whiter than snow the stain none of the stain remains okay uh, David has really had a colossal failure in his life he's owned it he's brought it to God and the reality is he knows God can um, basically not just expunge his record but expunge his heart uh, from the present reality of that sin so now verse 8 to verse, uh, let me see here, 8 to 12, David is, the, the prayer shifts from a cleansing prayer to a restoring prayer. Uh, he wants to be restored in his life. So restoration happens beginning in verse 8. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Um, he, so it's a metaphor the bones which thou hast broken, um, make them so healed, so strong, so durable that those bones which once were broken and uh, nothing but screaming pain. Okay, what happens when a bone breaks? I've not. Bro- I think I've broken some fingers. I don't. I've never had, other than that, that I know of, a broken bone. Um, but I'm told by those that I know that have had them, when they really break, it is incredibly painful. It's excruciating. So that bone is just screaming in pain, all right? So David's using this metaphor of a screaming bone healed so that now it can be a rejoicing bone, okay? And strong, frankly, strong bones, when they heal right, they're stronger than they were before. So he's saying, do that. Do that kind of thing in me. Make me to be able to hear joy and gladness. Again, um, think of it, let me unfold it this way. 
play this out. When you have really failed, um, and it's just ever before you, a lot of times people don't go to church in that situation when they should. They should come in repentance and receiving the mercy and grace of God, but they don't. Why? Because their sin is ever before them. It's screaming at them, and they don't want to come into the presence of God or God's people because it screams even louder, okay? It screams even louder, so it's just a reminder. Um, So when you're in this place, and you can be in this place, as we've said, by your own sin or by the sins of others against you, it's just screaming, it's dominating your life, it's dominating your psyche. So even when somebody is, you could be hearing somebody sing happy birthday, but not hear it. You could hear somebody sing all, all the grace and mercy of God and celebration of God. You could go to your favorite concert and not hear a word because of what's chewing on your mind and the screaming pain inside is so loud in your head. It's just the dominant narrative of your life. And you're just going through life like you're passing through a fog and you're just hardly aware of the noise around you, okay? David is in a pl- has been in a place in up to verse 8, where he he can't hear, even if there's joy and gladness around him, he can't hear it, okay? But he wants to get back to a place where he can hear it again. What allows you to come into the presence of God and truly worship and truly hear the truth and the joy that you're singing and, and really participate in it? What allows you to sit at dinner with a friend and um, truly hear the conversation? I have this phenomenon that happens with me in the pastorate that I'll use as an illustration. And this is not a complaint, by the way, because I love being a pastor and um, I, I just, I, have, I rejoice and thank God for the many, many, many blessings. <clears throat> One of the negatives is there's a steady stream of crisis, crises, and, and usually not personal crises. I, you know, occasionally I get bummed out on a down day during, you know, a, a gray weather day. But personal, not personal in that sense, and it's usually not even critics. I've got my critics, but generally I'm not aware of them, which <laughs> I would rather be oblivious of my critics. Um, but <clears throat> it's it's the fact that a lot of people don't want to really talk to the pastor until their life is falling apart. And sometimes it's uh, a, a series of bad decisions, Sometimes it's tragedy or, 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 or urgent crisis that has befallen them, tragic situations or events. But you get to a place, I get to a place where, <clears throat> well, first of all, I'm a problem solver. I want to solve problems. I want to help people be at rest, be at peace. I want to be a peacemaker. And when I know someone is sideways, I, 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 it, it dominates my mind until I can help them. Uh, when I know that someone's offended, I, it dominates my mind until I can get a hold of them and make sure that everything's okay. If somebody comes up to me and says, I need to talk to you, my heart just seizes with almost a panic. Like, what about, you know, what kind of crisis is this going to bring? Sometimes that same experience can be had when checking email or a text message or a voicemail. You just seize up with panic of what, what is this, what news is coming my way? And that's because there's just a steady stream. It's like living on a battlefield and not knowing what is going to explode next around you, okay? Um, because you deal with explosions a lot and the concussions, okay, of your psyche. So um, so here's what happens to me quite frequently. I can be on my way to a visit 
uh, to a conversation, to an appointment, to a lunch. And if I get a text message or if I get an email or a message that is an explosion, even a little one, okay, um, if I can't get into that pretty quickly and help to resolve it, it just becomes the dominant noise in my head. And it makes it so difficult to have and to hear the conversation I need to have. Or, okay, if I have um, that, that, that can, I can't carry that into the pulpit. If I, if that happens on Sunday morning, I can't preach. I mean, I, I try to preach, but it, I'm, I'm fighting two narratives. There's the one that would be dominant. And then there's my message that's fighting for, for, for brain space. Um, for intellectual space. One time a man said to me right before church, it was about 15 minutes before the service, I need to talk to you about something. And the look on his face and the way he phrased it was like, I've got an offense. And I said, well, how about right now? <laughs> he said, well, you're about to preach. And he didn't realize, well, it's already there now. I mean, it, it, if, if I don't know what this is about and if I don't have some sense of re resolution in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to have no margin to be able to hear the joy and gladness and the singing and I'm not going to be able to engage in the preaching the way with a clear mind the way I could. But what I did is I sat down and had that conversation with that man uh, right before church. And, and it's the last thing I wanted to do, but now it's there and I need to have it. And he needed me to have it. And, you know, 10 minutes, five minutes, frankly, it was totally resolved. His concern was my concern. And we kind of met at the same point. I was like, oh, I'm concerned about that, too. And he's like, oh, you are? And all of a sudden we were able to bring his concern to total rest. And boy, he thanked me and smiled and hugged me. And that man is in heaven now. Um, but dear friend, wonderful friend, gracious spirit, great encourager. But in that moment, that would have dominated the noise in my head until I could resolve it. This is what's good. This in principle is what's going on with David. Make me to hear joy and gladness. The bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. David's saying, all I've been able to hear is my guilt, my condemnation, my sin, my regret. All I've been able to hear, it's become the dominant narrative of my life. My friend, that's not good for you spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, relationally, or physically, okay? It keeps you up. You lose sleep. You lose weight. You lose your appetite. Everything starts to go bad because you're living out a narrative in your head that becomes dominant in your life, and it is so deadly and so dangerous. And God, God. Uh, can heal you of that, whether it's the sin of your your own life or the sin of someone else against you. He can heal you of that. Well, I want to pause there. We're gonna what a great what a great verse. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. God, do, take re, recapture the narrative of my heart. Bring back the joy, bring back the gladness, bring back the happiness, and, and, and recaptivate what has been hijacked.